This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are looking at the Christmas story. Do-do-do-do! and the coronavirus and how in the world those two can meet we are hitting christmas at a unique time and does the christmas story have anything to say about coronavirus how are we going to tie those in uh the question that we're going to face today is uh is a parent who is struggling with a 12 year old who is really missing those big mountaintop moments those you know the summer conferences the church weekend away all those those times where we go away how do you encourage your teenager's faith when they're missing all of those mountaintop spiritual moments with their peers. And we're also having an interview today with Riding Lights, who are putting on a Christmas special and uh, what they're hoping to achieve through that. So without further ado, we are jumping right in with the coronavirus and the Christmas story. <laughs> it sounds like one of those really bad rom-coms. The Christmas story and coronavirus. Uh, two disparate things coming together. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that was a no. Never mind. I bailed from that. What a what I really wanted to look at was we were doing the Facebook Live like we normally do, and uh, and this question came up, and it was a fantastic question. And for the life of me, I can't remember how I answered it, but I'm pretty sure we uh, <laughs> we put it on the on the uh, podcast like normal. So, so many of you know what I said, but I took it away and I began to chew on it, and so I legitimately don't know if I said this before or not. But I I just it really struck me, what are some great parts of the Christmas story that tie into the coronavirus and what we're facing now? And so I took some time and I chewed it. Yum, 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 yum. I chewed it up. And these are some of the other things I came up with, I think. So um, one, government requirements. In the Christmas story, it's sort of something that we skip over. Oh, so this is just randomly going to be a list of things that I've thought of. Uh, so the first one is government requirements. We usually skip over this bit in the Christmas story, which is the fact that the government imposed something for the entire nation and they all had to comply. You know, they said there will be a census. You have to travel to these places and you have to do it at this time frame. And so they all had to do it. They, they were Jesus was born in the middle of, middle of a government mandated movement of people. And I find that fascinating that even back then there were times where the government sort of swept everyone to the side and people had to comply. And that was um, that was really interesting to me that Jesus was born in the middle of disrupted lives caused by governmental decree. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, right. Another one is that... Uh, the prophecies about Jesus, you know, 800 years before Jesus came, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, there were prophecies about him. And they were saying, one day this will come, one day um, the Messiah will come, one day a, a person will come who will, who will do this and will feel this and will be like this. And God knew hundreds of years before that, that this is what he was weaving. And this is, and he was speaking about it ahead of time, this sense of, of God who plans ahead, a God who sees it coming. And I think most of us were just totally blindsided by 
by a global pandemic. And yet God wasn't. God was not surprised by the coronavirus. And he had plans and purposes within it for who we are shaping to be, what, um, what, how he is going to weave together for good. Uh, he, he knew it was coming and he is not surprised, isn't, he isn't off his throne, he isn't disempowered, but he had already planned for a beautiful learning of us seeing God in a different way, of us being forged in a fire, of us, he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised. And sometimes um, it can feel like everyone everyone all around was just surprised and shocked and, and God wasn't. And uh, God is not off his throne. And I, I just think that's so powerful for me. Um, another thing is uh, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Mary and Joseph. Murray. I don't know. <laughs> not Murray. Mary and Joseph uh, had to handle a lot of change. I don't know about you, but uh, there's a lot of change that's been going on. And they had to handle a lot of it. Joseph went from engaged to uh, having a wife that he thought was having an affair to then having a new baby and then had to move and go register and organize a big walking travel to someplace else. And then he had to run away to Egypt in the middle of the night. Uh, there was a lot of change that they had to cope with. And Jesus was born in the middle of a lot of rapid change. And I find that really encouraging, actually, that that uh, that sometimes things that God does most powerfully can happen in the midst of what feels like chaotic, ever-changingness. Uh, and through that all, they felt secure because they were constantly drawing close to what God's direction was. God was whispering to them and God was giving them dreams and God was directing them. And therefore, in this season of change, God is directing us. And what is God saying to us? And what is God saying to our families? And what is God saying about what direction we should go in the middle of this massive chaotic change? Because God is the one constant who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, another thing that we could look at is... Um, well, I can't read my notes. What looked like isolation and uncomfortableness? Oh, uh, yes. What looked like isolation and uncomfortableness in the place where Jesus was born, you know, in the part of the house that had the animals, an isolated, uncomfortable thing was actually a, a place of, of gloriousness, of God's glory was in a place that looked isolated and uncomfortable. And what is... Uh, a God moment that is wonderful, a glorious moment in the midst of this isolation and uncomfortability that we can see because God's glory was in the midst of that and therefore God's glory can be in the midst of this. Where is that? Uh, I also think it's just interesting in the Christmas story that there is evil in the world and that he names it and it has a name. I mean, Herod, King Herod was there and in the midst of this beautiful story, there was death and there was injustice and there was horror. You know, Herod killed all the babies of a town. That is awful. And and that is something that is a part of this Christmas story that that there is in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. And he was, he was, in the midst of, of a place where there is trouble in this world, there is horror in this world, there is evil in this world, there is death in this world. And, um, and yet God's love came to be in the midst of all of that. And, um, 
And so may that maybe this is the time to talk about that sense of injustice of, of what happened then and, um, and how Jesus came in the middle of it. And, um, and that this beautiful story is tinged with the deaths of, of children. And that is a heart rending part of the story. Um, and the other thing I thought was that Jesus was born, which is fantastic, but the total fulfillment of what he came for was not yet. They had to wait for him to grow up and to step into his ministry and to die on the cross and raise again and ascend until he was the fulfillment of what it was. There was something beautiful about the now, but there was something even greater about the not yet. And we're in the middle of this now and not yet part of our story at home where there's a there's some good things about the now there's some tough things about now there's going to be some great things about the not yet and there's going to be some tough things about the not yet and uh, they were living in this this now and not yet and so are we and what do we like about the now and what are we hoping for about the not yet and what are we struggling with about the now and what do we think might be coming in the not yet that we're going to have to grab god and hold on to there so yes Those are some other thoughts about it. It may be useful. You may just have rolled your eyes the entire time, and that's okay. But hopefully it sparked something that might be an interesting conversation in your family in framing the Christmas story and coronavirus for you. Our question today, again, is from a listener. I love your questions, guys. Uh, So this question is about a 12-year-old. How can I support my 12-year-old just starting secondary school in her faith? We don't have any youth provision at our church at the moment, and she doesn't want to join in with any of the other local youth... Sorry. And she doesn't want to join in with any of the other local church youth groups where she doesn't know people. Fair enough. Feeling very much the lack of our usual summer Bible week and kids summer camp and church weekend away where she would have had a boost to her faith and been with other people her age who love Jesus. No Christian friends at the new school yet. Thanks for your ideas. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I think many of us have this sort of yearly, uh, I don't want to say ritual, but almost yearly pattern of our faith journey. So we sort of, you know, sometimes those summers are those big momentum boosters. And then the Christmas, you know, mass is our, our favorite moment, you know, the Christmas Eve, midnight, you know, carol services are our moments of, of glory. And we just have these, these sort of natural faith moments that go throughout the year that keep us ticking along. And this year kind of, uh, kind of stole that from us in some ways and particularly you know with a with a 12 year old um child who's who's just beginning to you know step into a different phase of her potential faith of her church involvement that can be a hard thing for her to not have those moments and uh, so here are just a few thoughts um times away are significant um not so much i have to say because of the peer group I, i've been a youth pastor uh, for multiple years, as well as, you know, family life pastor and children's pastor. And, and particularly with youth, I think, I think sometimes we think it's all because of the peer group. And I, I'm not saying that's not, that's not helpful and significant, but I think a lot of times it's the privacy. It's being able to get away, um, without, um, without your parents, not because parents are bad, but sometimes it's just having the privacy to be able to go on your journey, 
yourself and to hide where there's darkness or to hide where people aren't always watching you and to be able to have that privacy and an extended time, not just a one-off youth group session, but, you know, multiple sessions uh, over multiple days and weeks to really think and pray and to have that time away from your normal pattern of, of relationships. And so, um, that, that often is what they're looking for. So I would suggest that, that you don't need to, to look so much about the, the peer group, but sometimes it's about that, that time away, which is hard to get in this season. And so I would suggest in some ways that you can talk about that, that it's hard to get that time away and to get that input, to get that space with God. And often what I find with teenagers is they only get that space with God when somebody else makes that space for them. And so sometimes, you know, it depends on what your relationship with your kid is like. Uh, sometimes it can be that you, you know, decide as a family to just have a after breakfast, a quiet 20 minutes where everyone can have their own time to listen to worship music and read Bibles and just have space if that's what your kid needs. Uh, sometimes it's just encouraging them that you miss that too, that time to get away and to have that input. Sometimes it's about... It's about how your kid connects with God most. Sometimes it's about having good talks that are designed for teenagers. And there's some great online resources that are designed for, you know, tween age brains, teenage brains, that may just be some sort of proactive discipleship that she can access in a podcast, in a video thing that might be really useful for that. And so find out, I I suggest you ask questions. What was the most significant part of it? What do you miss about it? What really helped your faith about those times? And together figure out, you know, what were the key components of those things? And if it is peers, well, then that can be one of the first things that you decide to start doing, you know, when, when we come out and into the tears and whatever happens from the tears from there, but maybe it is inviting one or two kids over and giving them the lounge to talk about something, or maybe it is, you know, enabling them to go on those one-to-one walks outside to talk about God or buying them all books so they can talk about, Uh, but find out what it was about it. Not just that I miss Bible week, but what was it? particularly about Bible week that helped your faith and then see what you can do in the meantime while acknowledging that it's hard and it's a shift. That is definitely something that can happen there. Um, yes. And another thing, I think it's just that, um, sometimes it can be the fun they're missing and the purpose that they're missing from being part of a group of peers that it's not just that you know they want to look at their peers and think oh i want to be like them but sometimes it's about at youth group or at those places um they they get to be more purposeful they get to lead they get to talk they get to experience what it's like to be needed by some people or they get to just genuinely have fun and i think there will be people in your church of multi ages who enjoy <laughs> enjoy having fun and who could really use them as part of purposeful team. And so I would suggest that that's your, your other avenue is to, you know, say uh, it could just be that you're just missing sheer fun. And that's something you can facilitate with people of multiple ages uh, or that they're missing purpose. And you can think, oh, we need to get them on team somewhere so that they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, so yeah, that would be my suggestions for the way forward. It might not be the way for your way forward, but hopefully within that you will have found something to um, to spark an idea that will uh, find the next steps. So my name's Anna, I'm part of the Parenting for Faith team and I'm here with Jared Moore, who is a creative associate with Riding Lights. Thanks so much for being with us, Jared. Can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, so yes, I'm Jared. I'm one of the creative associates here at Riding Lights Theatre Company. Uh, we're a, a theatre company who have been running for over 40 years. We're based in York. Um, we kind of specialise really in in faith-based theatre. We've we've made a lot of uh, a lot of faith-based theatre over the years, and we normally, obviously, it's a little bit different at the moment, but we <laughs> normally take it into all sorts of different contexts where theatre doesn't normally go. So we like going into prisons. We do a lot of work in schools. We perform in churches. We do sometimes get to perform in actual theatres as well, uh, but we like taking theatre into unusual contexts. What do you find that opens up? What What's the value of taking something faith-based, either sort of very explicitly or a bit more subtly, um, into schools, into churches? Uh, well, a lot of the performances that we would normally do will be to people who don't see a lot of theatre. So it can be seeing a kind of new medium tackling issues that can feel really personal or even that are just funny uh, can kind of catch people slightly off guard and that can that can be really useful for opening up conversations about things that you uh you wouldn't be able to open up in a more kind of straightforward way i think um we find humor works really well in in churches uh for opening stuff up um and kind of the ability to laugh at yourself is a thing that's often missing uh, yeah. today i think so that's uh, that's a good one and in schools it's good just to have something that's big and bright and uh, engaging, musical, lots of sounds and lots of silliness going on, uh, but has a good heart to it as well. Um, that, that really resonates well with children, I think. Mm. And I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard of Riding Lights or seen some of your plays or things before. Mm -hmm. um, as we mentioned at the moment, things are a little bit different right now. So presumably you're not going into schools and churches. Um, how have you adapted and what have you guys been doing? Yes, uh, so this year has been... Uh, in between various bouts of furlough has been uh, a bit of a learning curve, sort of working out how we can take what we normally do in into these places without actually being able to go there. Um, so there's been a lot of sort of filmmaking uh, learning that we've been doing. We've been learning how to film sketches, how to do screen screen, various editing tricks, and uh, it's all been very exciting. I feel like I've got a much rounder skill set now than I did at the beginning of the year, even though I haven't been able to do much theatre. Um, yeah. But the big the big project kind of that we've just uh, just wrapped up on, on filming and is now out there in the world uh, is a filmed version of our primary school tour that we did last year, which is an adaptation of The Selfish Giant by Oscar Wilde. Mm -hmm. um, so we took that round primary schools in North Yorkshire last year as a theatre tour. Um, and we thought it was such a... A lovely show that we would have loved to take out again uh, that we would film it and distribute it without the constraints of a tour schedule and uh, having to actually drive to all these places in a van which has been great because it's been able to go into way more schools than uh, yeah, already is, uh, there are some perks on there <laughs> yes yeah there are and you're you're making it available in a few different ways aren't you so um schools can get hold of it or churches um and families can also buy a ticket and watch it as a household as kind of a Christmassy thing to do yes so schools can book it so we we sell it to schools on a sort of a banded system where it's roughly a pound a head but capped at about two and capped at 200 pounds um so but that's kind of to be able to get it into smaller schools so that it doesn't actually break the bank for them. And then mm -hmm. the communities bookings, which is a, a, a church or a library uh, might book, um, is roughly two pounds a household. It's kind of if you get in contact with Riding Lights, we'll work out what it is um, so that it's uh, affordable but 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 fair. 
Uh, and then the individual tickets that you can book in your own uh, home are £7, which is about as cheap as a theatre ticket can come. That's £7 for the whole family to watch it. Um, and we have a, a showtime on there, so it would be 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock on a, on a Saturday. Uh, but you also then get access to it for a whole week after that. So you can have it as a, a, a moment to get ready with your, with your snacks, just like you're going uh, to see a show. Um, or you can can watch it over the week it, the show breaks down into three chapters as well um so it's easy to break it up into sort of 15 minute sections or watch it clean through in a one nice so loads of options so people kind of can figure out what works for them Absolutely. and what are you um what are kind of the key themes that it's trying to explore or draw out what are you hoping families and schools and communities will be chatting about as a result of it yeah well, The Selfish Giant, um, obviously based on the Oscar Wilde short story, um, is a beautiful, it's a beautiful story, really. I, I, I love it. Um, about a, a giant who's so sort of consumed with his sadness and his selfishness that his garden is trapped more and more in winter. Uh, and then a small boy appears in the garden uh, and, and meets the giant. And this boy sort of teaches him how to how to care and how to how to love other people and slowly as the giant's heart softens uh spring returns to the garden and summer returns to the garden and the children are are all able to and the children are all able to come back and and play in the garden uh and that sort of redemption from him being in a place of really being really sad and, and kind of consumed with himself to being opened up and welcoming other people in is uh that's one of the big most beautiful things about the about the story i think mm. in the in the short story um the little boy is very explicitly a, a sort of christ allegory um which uh was quite hard to do with the puppet that we that we use so it's slightly <laughs> um that's slightly softened but that sort of his role in the story of really opening up the giant um to other people and to caring and softening his heart is still very much there um the kind of role of kindness in the story is is really important mm. i think and also the i think the fact that the giant's sadness and his selfishness is what traps the garden in winter the story sort of consume um is the story is concerned with how the condition of yourself can affect everything around you yeah. um, and how actually being open makes the world a more pleasant place, really. Being kind and loving improves the situation of what's, what's around you. I think that's, that's Yeah, fantastic. Well. And it sounds like the sort of thing um, that families could watch together, parents could either watch with their kids or they could have a little look in advance, actually, and watch it with the kids the next day mm. and really use it as a springboard, you know, work out what to what to draw out and how it might be relevant to their family and what they're going through. So I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. And just finally, and this is a wildcard question. I haven't warned you about this. So you, might, you might throw, <laughs> throw me off. Um, but we talk a lot in Parenting for Faith about surfing the waves and kind of seeing what passions and interests your child has and supporting them in that. Um, and so I was just thinking about any children that are really interested in theatre and acting and performance, you know, particularly in a sort of, evangelistic capacity or maybe with capacity for that one day uh kind of what would you say to any parents who've who've got children who are interested in that at the moment are there ways they can be supporting them and encouraging that 
I think it's it's, it's especially hard at the moment. Yeah, um, sure, for sure. The kind of the 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 best thing really, if you've got um, children who are, who are really interested in that, is to to encourage that. And a great way to encourage that is by um, getting involved with a youth theatre. Um, yeah. So we run youth theatres here. We've been running them online this term. Those are for high school age students here, but there's ones available for all ages um, all over the the country in in normal times. Yeah, I know a lot of churches do run um, drama groups as well, and. I think it's great when church services give the young people a chance to um, do a do a slot in in services or lead parts of a a, a service, uh, whether that's doing a sketch they've written or a sketch that they've found the script for um, in other places. I think that's always a really a really great and lovely thing because it gives the young people in a, a church community uh, sort of an, an an agency to get involved and make something that that feels like it's theirs. Mm. And I guess it's just really encouraging to see things like, you know, either take them to the theatre when when you were allowed to do that or watch something like The Selfish Giant where you can buy it and watch it online. Uh, just so they can see that modelled and, and see it in action. Jared, thank you so much uh, for your time. We will put links to uh, The Selfish Giant in the show notes. So uh, do support that and uh, buy a ticket if you would like to go and see it. A question to start an interesting conversation with your kid this week is this. Who in the Christmas story would have endured lockdown best? (laughs) And why? And for fun, who do you think in the Christmas story would have endured lockdown the worst? And why? Have an interesting conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.